0: Commanders, and welcome to episode 291 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that's. <coughs> I'm your host, who's choking on popcorn at the moment. <coughs> Commander Phoenix of Fire. Yeah, you're
1: not kidding anyone that it's popcorn you're choking on, mate.
0: a <coughs> kale? Oh,
2: yeah, surely popcorn, you know, when you choke on popcorn, anyone that's eaten popcorn in their life knows that the noise you make is this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think well on on this May the fifth or Revenge of the fifth or whatever I'm Darth I'm Daft Ada, and joining me in the orange side room to bar for this episode we have our head of health and safety Ben Mosswoodwood otherwise known as Edle hey
1: Ock, Colin I can't think of anything I was expecting you to give a Darth
0: name for me no and you know I just after that can't be bothered wasting my time now we have our, our chief bar steward on sound Grant. <laughs> Hello. I feel like Neil from the Young One. Any Human Resources Director, Commander Sha. Hello. And joining us him of the Buckyball expertise, Commander Alec Turner.
3: Hello everyone. I've done my homework. On Darth Quarantino. Yeah, I think mean, <laughs> Alec needs to be Darth <laughs>
1: Spider-Man or something like that, I think. Yeah, and
4: that spoils for later on. So our <laughs> guests, are they like the inflatable crew in airplanes? As, as another
0: Inflatable Crew member, we have uh, Mac Winston here Hello. as well. So, yes, uh, I'll, I'll just quickly go around, see how everybody has been for the last um, a week or so. If you wish, though, you can join us live. We are hanging out in-game. If you can't get to us in-game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat and then go to Twitch TV, Laveradio. So, we'll start off with our guests because it, it's polite that they go first. Commander Alec Turner, what have you been up to?
3: Hey, hello. Uh, what have I been doing this week? Uh, in-game, I have been scanning for signs of life, but we'll get on to that later maybe. Uh, I've also been on our second playthrough of Half-Life Alex, which is just phenomenal and the best VR game ever made, and Valve up to their usual uh, like, standard mile above everybody else. Uh, I installed EDDI for the first time today, which is fun, and I managed to talk myself out of buying a lovely new gaming head headset.
4: EDDI, Elite Dangerous Detector Inspector.
3: <laughs> I don't know what it stands for. The thing that tells you lots of things as you're flying around, that talks to you all the time and plugs into basically every API game.
1: Is that the thing you were telling to shut up earlier, Grant?
3: I basically installed it because I c- I just cannot remember for the life of me the position of the landing pads. And one of the things it does is tell you that it's at the back, two o'clock, and that kind of thing. Oh, don't tell the Bucky Ballers. That's probably cheating.
0: <laughs> it seems that you've picked up um, a fan on on the chat room already. So uh...
3: chat room. Let me guess. Is it Kaizen? It, it is. Surprisingly enough, him Hill <laughs> well, a- uh, hillbilly redneck radio. Hello, Kaizen, my number one fan. How are you?
4: I he here, you're a stalker. <laughs> or, or have you got many stalkers?
3: I I, I, I don't think I should say any more. Because it, I incriminate myself. Oh, right. Basically, court injunctions are
0: in progress. Right.
1: <laughs> Kaizen is far too pretty for a Marine.
0: Oh, dear. It's, 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 it's definitely the stalker's... Round circle tonight, isn't it? We've got one stalking <laughs> the other, and we've got a stalker from here stalking him. <laughs> Matt Winston, are you stalking anybody by any chance?
5: I'm not stalking anyone right now, no. Um, it's just uh, anyway, my week, yes. Uh, the Eastern Promise expedition has started, which was the follow on from uh, Orion. and so we got started out. We did our it was Waypoint Two last Sunday. We're on our way to Waypoint Three. We're eventually heading out to—I don't remember what the system's called, but it's—it's it's like the Eastern Meridian or something. It's like the the East. The galaxy's eastern equivalent of Beagle Points. You sort of get onto the edge of the galaxy and look out into the void and try not to go space mad. Um, that's on my alt account. On my main, I've been mining Void Opals because, believe it or not, I'm not rich enough yet for a fleet carrier. So. That's that's what I've been up to. And while I've been doing that, I've been listening to this on, on BBC Sounds. There's a there's a really good series. I only got three episodes in. I was listening to it last night because I tend to listen to these things while mining. Uh, it's called something like Tunnel Thirty Nine. It's about uh, people escaping from East Germany and it's pretty good. So I, I heartily recommend that if you if you want to if you want a podcast to listen to it while exploring or mining, that's a good one. It's on BBC Sounds. So so basically, it's another podcast about digging. Yes, indeed. So
1: there's a lot of good podcasts
0: coming out from BBC sounds at the
1: moment actually, because you know, you're you're recommending this one. I've been recommending the uh, thirteen hours to the Moon one all about the Apollo stuff. And then there's also this game saves my Life, which we'll be coming into earlier as well in a yeah. bit sorry. So there's a lot of good stuff that those guys are making over there actually.
5: Yeah, this episode yeah, of yeah. Live
1: Radio is sponsored by the BBC. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, we're just showing them how to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> Cow, it's been it's nice to have you back. Uh, what you been up to?
2: Hello, um, me. poor uh, oh, crikey! What, what
4: haven't I been up to? Get us out of our suspense about the bathroom. Well, it's Use still there. The bathroom's still in lockdown.
2: Yes, it well it's not locked out. it's it's still in perfectly you know perfect working order at the current moment. If working order means that there's not a shower, but there is a toilet that flushes and we put the sink in which is looking lovely and uh, has made a huge difference to um, Susie's existence so she's chuffed that she can get in there and wash her hands on a whim and get a good wash. So she's happy. Does this mean that King Hanky can wash his hands too? Uh, that you know whether or not Hanky has the ability, is, is a, a factor that none of us have yet quite worked out. I believe scientists are looking into that. Um, it's right. kind of low on their list of priorities, though. Um, but they are. I, I, hope you're singing, I hope you're
4: singing Happy Birthday twice when you wash your hands.
2: Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because um, my bathroom's been delayed because of the lockdown. That's, that's exactly what it is, Kaizen. Um, so it's not my fault. It's all been um, COVID nineteen. No, yes, that
0: it's been blamed for a lot at the moment. So
2: <laughs> just add it to the list. What have we been up to? We um, obviously we we had our pub quiz on Friday. There's been a lot of development in that. We have been working solidly since the virtual ECM event, working towards our virtual uh, Eurovision replacement service that we can talk about later on. Um, which is because the Eurovision was cancelled, we thought Oh well, we better do something fun because we normally do uh, uh at least meet up, team speak for a, a call, con- you know, con- a congressional um, morning uh, laughter at the expense of some of the acts and such. Um, but we're unable to do that, and it's a shame because this year Russia pulled um, Little Big as their representatives. And if anyone has seen any of Little Big's videos, uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm not alcoholic. Is I'm okay. Is one of the best videos you'll see. Uh, that they've done, and all of their songs are kind of like that. They're catchy, they're kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek, and they're probably about two decades behind every other country's pop, uh, which is actually really nice and really good. So, Which probably means they'll win. Well, I don't know. Their Eurovision entry was okay. Um, it was all right. It wasn't what we were hoping for from them. To be overly camp and a bit rude, but with them um, a little hint of their style, it's good. But um, I think you know when you try and rush these things for something you're not comfortable with, you end up with stuff like that. Whereas it's just better than the other countries where you can hear that clearly. Some songwriter somewhere has binned previous versions of proper released songs that they've sold on later. And they've kept them back to pass off to Greece and to Italy and to all these other countries that pay for these songs and then reuse them. You sit listening to going, that sounds exactly like X, Y and Z, uh, but just a little bit worse. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time for songwriters. Well, it was, now it's cancelled, so they're all screwed. Other than that, um, crikey, um, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We're obviously continuing our, our tech setups and stuff uh, with a view to uh, leave because obviously moving. I put um, a bit of work into the Artemis. So I say we, I meant him. He put a lot of work into the Artemis setup, which if you were at VECM, you'd have seen him and his bottom wiggling as he pulled cables and sparks and smoke came flying out everywhere. Um, so he's working on refining that profile ready for well, whatever happens um, this year, um, in the hope that something comes.
0: Well, we always wish, uh, I take it, moves feeling a lot better at the moment.
2: He His new medication seems to be making a significant difference. Unfortunately, lockdown good. plays into the whole um, mental health issues, and, and I think it's actually probably a good point to put a message out that, There are a number of you out there who have suffered with depression and various different mental health issues like, and this isolation is really not good for it. And we're getting to that point now where it's beginning to bite in and normal people are beginning to lose their temper, become short-tempered with things and get annoyed by the, the slightest thing. Just check in. All you gotta do is just go and make sure that those people that have been a bit quiet for a couple of days, you've not heard from, just send a a message and make sure they're all right. Give them an opportunity, get them into a game and, and pass some time together because that's all we've got to do is just pass the time. Um, and we know very many of our, our crew, yeah, I mean, we've got him. Um, if he's out there, if you're listening in, Toxic, hello, we hope you're good, mate. We hope you're good and take care of yourself and we'll see you when it's all past. And that's it. Just, you know, reach out, say hello. I think that's about it, isn't it?
0: Right. Well, actually, that's a pretty worthy message because I know that I'm beginning to lose it, personally. Um, Commander, how you been?
4: I haven't been too bad, really. Um, just talking about the lockdown. Um, our dog is suffering from lockdown um, fever. It's sort of turning feral at the moment, and the uh, yeah, it's getting a bit stir crazy, even though it goes out for walks twice a day, it's kind of like going a bit scooby Um, so yeah, well, what have I been up to in real life? Um, just staying in really. Um, been on the phone to quite a bit to my, my parents and relatives and stuff because, as Cal said, it's got six to seven weeks now since the lockdown happened, and uh, because they're part of a vulnerable group, you know, they've had the letter to say, for goodness sake, please stay in. Um, They haven't really seen another sort of person other than each other for the last seven weeks, and normally they're sort of out and about and socialising with everyone, so they're finding it quite hard. So we've been making extra special efforts to, you know, make sure they're still okay. in game, let me see what I'm doing. I'm still uh, sorting on my ships out, um, running some maths to work out whether I want to uh, have a fleet carrier or not. Um, and yeah, so basically life is normal, really.
0: Well, at least something is normal for some.
4: <laughs> I, I usually work from home anyway, so it's can't, i kind of like—I can't understand what all the fuss is about, you know. Yeah. Um, Ben?
1: I think I stopped being normal quite a long time ago, to be honest. But apart from that, I've been I've been fine, um, same as everyone else. Working away from home, my daughter broke my heart the other day when I was on the, I was just on the phone to her. And, you know, I was just talking away quite happily. And then she bursts into tears and then just like, I miss you, Daddy. And
4: I was like, yeah, I feel like a complete twat now.
0: And then she said, "But don't worry, we can be
4: lord. Isn't that response usually followed up with, "I love you, Daddy." Please, can I have a? And then- she's only
1: three. Yeah. When I get "I love you, Daddy," will you buy me a car when she's seventeen? That's when you get worried. Oh, It'll be, be the pony stage first. Mm, yeah, and um, the answer to the pony's going to be the same as the answer to the car.
0: Sod off and get your own. And anything in game?
1: So I've been playing Rimworld. I've been. Twittering around in Elite, Call of Duty had a big update, which totally and utterly broke Call of Duty, so I haven't actually been able to play that. It's not just Elite Dangerous that has bugs in their in their patches, so I guess that's a good thing. Um, I don't know how, but when we were playing COD, they've managed to break all the voice communications. So you, you can go off and start a session, and you're talking away quite happily to everyone in your squad, and then 30 seconds in, all voice communication goes or, or maybe it doesn't, it's just not reliable.
0: Nothing to do with Virgin Media this time.
1: Nothing to do with Virgin Media. It seems to be worldwide, because I've seen people in all across the world basically saying, yeah, I've got this too. We are sort of countering it by using Discord, but trying to convince an Xbox person to go onto Discord is... Challenging? Because of course, Xbox users are like, "Well, why don't you come to onto onto Xbox Live Party Chat?" To which the PlayStation person says, "Because I can't, you prat, brat." Yeah, you know, and it's a, it's a shame that there is nothing that is natively a native. There isn't a native cross-platform chat client across consoles, PCs, tablets, etc.
0: Well, there's an idea. Fancy writing one. <laughs>
4: You'd never I mean, get it past Sony or
0: Microsoft. or th- And that's the problem. Disc- I bet you Discord
1: would love to be native on Xbox or PlayStation, and PlayStation and Xbox, they say, yeah, fuck you, mate. But my God, I wish there were. You know, Xbox users can talk to PC users using the Xbox game bar thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there might be a way to join a PlayStation party from a place- from a PC, but I've never managed to get that working. But getting a PlayStation and an Xbox to talk to their party things is just... It never happens. (laughs) And it just... Couldn't you use something called a phone? That's basically what we're doing. Is like, you know, okay, so you poor bastards on the Xbox, get into Discord on your phone, and we'll talk using that. But it's a less than ideal solution, and my God, I wish... Even if Zoom worked on Xbox and PlayStation, that would be all right. But then everyone could hear what you're saying. I'm assuming that's going to get resolved at some point fairly quickly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically what I... Oh, and I've also been watching uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I've been re-enjoying, because I think they're, they're coming. Up, they're either at the final season of that or it's just coming up or it's just about to come up. And of course, it's showing up on Disney Plus as well, so yeah, I've been enjoying that too.
0: Right. What have I been up to? Let's see, my power play player has now been doing power play for nine weeks and it's still interesting, believe it or not. At the moment, um, Arissa is now defending against Chrom. Chrom is coming at us left, right, and center.
4: You mean Grom? That's the one. Chrom is one of the deities in Howard Conan.
0: Is it? Oh dear. No, I'm getting things mixed up again. Ah. I blame it on the COVID. Anyway, uh, that's been an interesting, fight, uh, having to deal with an incursion. Um, uh, on top of that, my main character has now gone past 50% deadly. Yay! Uh, those Thargoid scouts won't kill themselves. And I've been one of the reasons why I haven't been concentrating on that is mostly because of the new Xbox Crimea. And that's... It's one of these games which... I think oh, I'll just give it a quick five minutes. Just one... One turn and then bang—that was it. So that's that's really been me for the last week or so.
4: Talking about deadly, Colin. How's the Zeno bunny?
0: The rabbit is absolutely fine. I just had to get him more medication today. But apart from that, he's now got new toys to play with and
4: uh... feeding it the next year's children or something.
0: Oh. He's not laid any eggs. Don't worry, Shan, he's, he's fine. One of these days I'll get him to talk back. Anyway, we'll just quickly go through the development news, which there's been three important bits. So I guess we'll, we'll touch on the big important one so far. It was announced last Friday that the new era has been pushed back to Q1 or early 2021. And this comes from a shareholder article. We had originally planned for Elite Dangerous major update to be released in December 2020. But in the context of the current COVID-19 environment, we have now set a Q1 2021 release date. Now, obviously, when this went on the forums, it it was kind of sort of like a 60% or we understand 40% you horrible people because you can't keep coding at home. You're working from home. What can you mean about? Reddit was completely different. Reddit was so salty, could, you know, keep the roads clear of ice for a year. What does everybody think of this? We'll we'll start with um, Shan.
4: In some senses, I can understand the delay, because if your culture isn't set up to have people working from home, it can be disruptive. And if the people who you uh, have working for you don't have suitable space to work from home again it can be disruptive what i would question is is the lack is the loss of productivity in the last six weeks has that really cost three months worth of time and and that's kind of i'm I'm not saying yes or no i'm just asking the question because it because i've been working from home for way too many years, as has most people I work with. And they actually find their productivity goes up once they've kind of gotten themselves established and, and used to it. So I'm just wondering where they lost the three months to in the last six weeks.
0: Well, um, I would disagree with that on one personal... Um, before I bring everybody else in, I disagree for that from having to dev at home myself at the moment. If it was just me by myself at home, then yeah, probably. But at the moment, I'm not. I've got to deal with homeschooling kids and other things that are happening at the same time.
4: Once you've got yourself set up, and some people won't have that environment where they can boot the kids out, and that's why it's a cultural thing. Mm. It's just I'm wondering whether or not it's really three months' worth of delay, or is it some more nefarious reason it was going to be late and this is just a... um, a way of explaining the delay more.
3: Okay, Alec? I was just going to chip I mean, Shan's already sort of touched on it, really, but I just wondered how long of a delay we actually <clears throat> excuse me, thought it was. I mean, three months, worst case, but you know, it could just be talking a month or two. Um, what do we think? Do we think it's the full three months?
0: This is just me, personally, but I have made the assumption that we won't get, there won't be the full release until the 31st of March, although we could probably still have beaters in you know from january onwards
3: okay interesting i, I suppose it is a lot i'm obviously i'm now working from home i work for a software company so we're we should be familiar with computers and uh, I'm, I'm kind of struggling but it is that getting set up thing i suppose you know just today i lost the ability to remote desktop to my pc that's sat on my desk at work and as it happens i have stuff i still sort of need on that and so, yeah, you just hit these little daily delays that cause problems. But I guess Shan's right. Once you get set up, it should be great. And how long does it take to get set up? For a month? I don't know.
4: Well, what I've, what, what I've found, and it's, it's a discussion I often have um, with people at the place I work, is say, OK, you have 10 people who go to a meeting, uh, let's say in London. It takes them two hours each way to get to London and back. So that's a total of 40 hours that they've spent traveling. So have you gained a whole working week from having that meeting with the 10 people all in a room? Because if the answer is yes, then great, you have the meeting. If the answer is no, you haven't made up that working week, then why have you dragged people into that office when it's more time efficient not to have them spend four hours traveling? That's the sort of question that you
0: People should be asking, I think, I think. But anyway. Well, anyway, okay. Anything else to add, Alec, or can I move on to Mac?
5: No, move on. I mean, all I right.
0: thought it was. Okay, Mac.
5: Well, I am Mac's complete lack of surprise. Now, I don't mean to say this in a salty way. Um, I've worked, in, I've worked in software all my my life, basically, and I've worked on big projects and. Software sizing is notoriously difficult to get right. It's it it's just hard. Um there are ways you can do it, there are ways you can do it accurately. Uh, for instance my uh, job after graduating which I was in for about 6 years. We were basically we were doing this great big project for the US government and they insisted we be SCI CMM level 3 which is basically like a, a process assurancing. We're actually level 4 and and this allowed us to do sizing really well, because we had all the requirements were like really well-defined. Everything was really well-defined. We we almost got it down to a science sizing. But game game development, you don't have those nice requirements. You can't really do SC, ICAM level 4 or 5, because it's just far too expensive. I mean, level 5 is the sort of thing you'd use if you're writing avionics or medical or safety of life software. Um, and level four maybe not so much but even so it's still an expensive process i mean the, the requirements we got from the u.s government were basically they must have spent two or three years writing just the damn requirements and a game development developer won't have that so firstly just getting the sizing right for them is notoriously difficult so i'm not surprised at all that they're saying there's a delay i mean it's i think it's a three it's effectively a three-year project and it's and to have a quarter slippage on a three-year project really ain't no big deal, to be honest. Um, the other things we got to consider apart from, I think, uh, looking at the Twitch chat here, Kaizen saying, don't forget about the huge builds people have to download, well, yeah, but they're in Cambridge. So they've got fiber to the premises in everybody's houses. They've got really good internet connections. But the other thing is they've got things like, it's not just the devs. Uh, who are perhaps used to gathering around the water cooler and haven't worked from home. They're, they're having to set up their v, you know, the VPN into the office, which maybe they never had before. Um, but it's also that they've got all the artist stuff going on, which is part of the project. And they're going to need some people present in things like studios to do um, voice acting and things like that. I mean, yeah, some of that could probably be done from home, but um, not everybody who needs to do the voice acting has got uh, nice like 500 pound microphones and all this kind of jazz so they 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 can't do their they literally can't do their work until they can travel to a studio and do all their recording and all that stuff. so so there's that aspect as well so yeah um even if even if there wasn't a COVID crisis, I wouldn't have been entirely surprised about a quarter slippage, just because of the difficulty in sizing a project so big. With, let's face it, the 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 community thinks it knows the requirements, but if you think of the the community, if you look at community opinions, they're all pulling in about five different directions, and uh, uh, yeah, so so it it's a big project with probably quite ill-defined requirements and yeah that slippage is going to happen it's it's just it, it it's very difficult to size that kind of stuff so yeah i'm not surprised but neither am i salty about it because i have a lot of sympathy for um their predicament uh having to develop a large complex project so anyway that's my bit um
0: <laughs> are you going to be able to answer
2: it's, it's, fr- it's a frustrating thing, first of all, because everyone's really excited about an update and wanting it, and you've been looking forward to it for some time, and then any delay to that, it's always going to be a, a kick in the uh, ass, uh, and you're going to get upset, but this is an unprecedented situation, we've never you know had anything like this before, it affects everybody in different ways. So, if you want to remove any human factor whatsoever, then go ahead and chastise them for for delays and things. But we're not out of this yet. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of ludicrous to be so critical of their timescales and to suggest that they can do stuff when you don't know what the what the situations are, the human factors involved. Um, and as much as, you know, there are practical uh, examples and people have experience of working remotely, it's not necessarily going to be uh, accurate for everyone involved. So you've got sickness as well. You've got family worries, you've got external concerns and you've got external companies and you've got other things that they've got planned that cannot happen because the other companies that they're relying on for X, Y and Z are not available Um I mean, just looking at it on a a sort of minor scale from organising ECM uh, for, for being involved in the likes of what we put together before we do LaveCon, and, uh, you know, you've not, although LaveCon's actually one of the easier ones because it's all in that nice little venue. Um, so you only really have that to tackle. But, you know, with, with ECM, you've got six different people that are affected. So you well, you know, we can do it. That's fine. But unfortunately, we rely on these guys and they're closed because one of their members of staff has been adversely affected by it. And in fact, they're critical in hospital. You wouldn't criticize them. You don't, you don't criticize. Um, I was going to say Pavarotti, but you, you know, there's no point criticizing Pavarotti. But you know you don't criticize your favorite band because they've cancelled tours because it's been locked down. It's it's what you want versus what is realistic, and you've got to give them time. And as I say, this kid, the lake. I'm I wouldn't be surprised, but I've got no bearing or basis. It's purely just um, based on the fact that we don't know what's happening with this pandemic when we're gonna ever see the back of it and how businesses will adapt and and have to find ways to adapt to work around any restrictions that are ongoing there could very likely be an extension in, in the delay as well the whole point is it's a big jigsaw that has to be assembled and some of the factors of the assembling Um, are going to be directly affected and delayed. It's just, you know, to me, it kind of, it's it's a a non-brainer. So many other businesses are shut. Are we going to scream and and lose our crap at McDonald's because they closed?
0: Well, there will be people on the forums that will complain about the fact. Basically, because it's it's something to complain about.
2: Well, you see, again, we're we're in the crazy period. We're in the stir crazy. uh, Cabin fever has set in and people are looking for something to distract them. But I think you know the criticism is unfair, you know if we get out of out of this pandemic, we see the back end of it, everything starts to fall back into normal, then you find there's other issues that then cause another delay, and they'll be chastised again, and we'll have the same conversation Ben i mean I completely agree with Grant there, so I just want to
1: go off and say a couple of things first of all, I think we're all w- the group, our group, are on average a little bit older than the for, the frontier developers, um, which is applied to us saying we're a bunch of forum dads. And even then, I've got a three year old. Collins, you've you've got a couple of kids. I know your kids are of age at least. Chan, now where you can tell them to sod off and they understand, but you can't tell a three year old that, can you? So I think because they're all a little bit younger, presumably their family's going to be, on average, a bit, little bit younger. So there is going to be more interference from real life happening around you whilst you're trying to get on with work. I also want to say, and this is sounding a little bit harsh possibly against Frontier, that I don't know if I would call this just one quarter slippage, Mac. You know, In some respects, this is 2020 or New Era, is the thing that Frontier insinuated they were going to be giving us after Horizons. So at least what we suspect has been thought about possibly since 2015, if not 2013, 2014. So I'm not 100% sure it's fair to say it's one quarter slippage. It could be as much as four or five years slippage, depending on how you look at it. And final thing that I was going to say is, even though we're all developers, I, w- I had a tech issue with my laptop the other day. My laptop, for some stupid reason, wouldn't accept that BitLocker was installed, and basically went off and locked itself up. And because of that, I was I basically lost most of a full day's development time because our work has gone off and locked our laptops up so tightly. And I had to wait for our IT guys to come in and help me unlock it. So that was awkward.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's one thing that uh, uh, you do. Ha- as long as everything's working fine, it's great. But as soon as you hit a snag, then having to wait for support to come in and, and give you help, that can be a delay in itself.
1: Yeah, whereas you know, in the office, I just have to run across the corridor and the guys are right there and like, hey, Manny, can you go and... Slap my lock, slap my laptop, please, or enter the BitLocker key. And usually they're also when they'll come and do that.
0: Yeah. Let's see. The guard frequency made a, a nice point that this is probably because it's, it's, I'm being a dev as well. Don't worry, Sham. We'll come to you. <laughs> being a dev as well, they they say that they're willing to give most companies ninety days grace just because of this, which. It's quite ironic because the first thing that happened with Star Citizen was they jumped on it and said, no, there's going to be even more delays, and you'll notice that the latest patch had a lot less in it than what they were expecting. So it is happening to everybody. Uh, Shan.
4: Uh, yeah, just want to come back on a few points. As I said earlier, part of the prerequisite for the delay is, is having the corporate company culture and setup to enable remote or home working. And going, touching on what Cal was saying, I think that this home working is going to be, in quotes, the new normal. Certainly until there's a vaccine widespread, which could be up to two years. So this isn't just oh, one well, working from home for the summer. If you if you believe what's in the papers and what's been rumoured, it will be you work from home unless you've got a key worker reason for coming into the office. And so companies, and even the people who uh, find it difficult to adapt to remote working, I think will find themselves not in trouble, but with a great deal of stress. And touching on what Ben said about, about kids, I started working from home when my eldest was 18 months, and my youngest wasn't even born then right from the early age now they were homeschooled as well mrs shan stayed at home but the rule was was that when i worked from home i would dress as if I was going to the office i'd be smart casual and they learned from early age when dad is in his office or when dad is working from here he's in the office he's at work and don't come in and that's where it comes about the cultural change in relationship chains that has to happen within the family to enable that to happen. I'm not pretending it's easy, because it ain't, but if this is how it's going to have to be for the next two years, then we kind of have to go on with it because the alternative is not having a job, being blunt about it, because it's how it's going to be. And going on to the subject of the, the delay, I mean, I can understand it being delayed a bit, to be honest, because as you say, it is an upheaval. I, I think the, uh, the test will come as will the other projects that are Frontier got on, have they been delayed by a similar period as, as well? Because you would figure if it's delayed new era by have many months, it would then figure the other projects that got on would also be delayed because it's the same company and the same tech setup and the same sort of culture.
0: I mean, that's actually quite interesting. I mean, that's one of the things we're actually going to be talking about later is is other releases, but is the only thing that's officially we know what they've got a release date for is the new era?
1: I think it is. I mean, Frontier, don't tell us what's. We don't really know what and when we're getting anything for Planet Coaster... If anything's happening for Planet Coaster these days, uh, same goes. I don't think anything's happening in Jurassic World. Planet Two just had an update.
4: Yeah, I figured we could find out for the financial reports because they would expect they would look at the, they would report the expected revenue for the next quarter. So, if in the next financial report that revenue has they predicted is moved forward a quarter. Mm-hmm. then you know it's kind of affected things that, well, that's I think how you can tell without an official release date being
1: but then I mean that's one of the things that the you know that Frontier moving the date to Q1 2021 it's not actually going to affect it's not going to affect their annual results at least that's the, that's the hope I
4: guess no, but they, they do report quarter by quarter, don't they? So if, if mm. they if they thought New Era is going to bring out, I don't know, £20 million in the fourth quarter calendar of the year, and they then say, well, the £20 million we thought was going to be then is now going to realised first quarter calendar 2021, then you can see how that impact would follow on.
1: I've not seen them ever saying, we
4: expect that, but maybe they do. It's in the reports. So they, do, they do give estimated revenue per quarter. Anyway,
0: Right. Well, I think we've done that one to death. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, which is all we can really do on this one. And, of course, they won't go into any new details about New Era until after fleet carriers have been fully released. In other frontier news, they've got a Games Workshop license, an exclusive IP license for the Games Workshop to develop and publish a real-time strategy game with the rich and extensive world of Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Now, our Warhammer expert, who's the station commander, Alan Stroud, has corrected me, because I thought this was just Warhammer Fantasy Battles. But apparently, this is Warhammer Fantasy Battles replacement. Kind of. It's not completely a replacement. They think they might bring it back. But do you think they're up for a real-time strategy game?
1: I don't see why they're not up for a real-time strategy game. Um, yeah, I think the thing that I find really ironic about it, though, is, oh, Blizzard's thing, World of Warcraft, was done, No, Warcraft was originally done as a proposal to Warhammer, and Games Workshop told Blizzard to start off. And now, of course, we've had like the Dawn of War series and things like that. I don't think of any reason why I don't think Frontier can do could do an um, an RTS, but I think the interesting thing about the this is doing an RTS was one of the things that was mentioned in this leak that happened was it about a year ago. Or so now,
0: is it? Yep, it's about a year. Ago.
1: Um, so they didn't mention Warhammer or anything like that, but they did mention that they were aware of an RTS being worked on as much as they hate the idea of leaks. It does lend even more credibility to it.
4: Yes. Sean. I was about to think about what sort of RTS are they going to be developing? and I don't mean, you know, whether it be with StarCraft thing, is that, is that, will it be aimed at the competitive RTS, you know, like StarCraft where you, where you have to have like a, a a a live stream observer mode you know where you you can uh shout cast over it and you can have all the uh, the esports part of it or will it be more like the command and conquer style single player rts because if they go the latter the multiplayer tournament aspect of rts it's going to need a continual balancing and adding and changing of units to keep it interesting and competitive so I don't know. Um, potentially, it's, it's it's pretty cool, but as I say, it depends on the tour of RTS they're going for. Because I love command and conquer, and I loved all that kind of style. But there's the competitive stuff I was less into. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, I'm, I mean, I must admit, I must admit, I I got Dawn Warhammer, Warhammer Warham Dawn of War one and two downloaded off Steam a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, you, really, really good. <laughs> So if they've come up with something similar, I'd be happy. Uh, Mac?
5: Yeah, I play StarCraft quite a lot. StarCraft 2 quite a lot. I played, I played the original as well, StarCraft, and I think, when did I start? WarCraft yeah, I started with WarCraft 2 with Carly, if you remember that, which basically allowed you to play IPX games over the internet. But yeah, the balancing that, well, there's two things about uh, competitive RTSs. Firstly, the community is always so salty. And everything's imbalanced. Yeah, you, know, you, you hear you like stacker You have got three races, and if you're Zerg, then Terrans, Imba, and if you're Terran, then Zergs, Imba. If you're Protoss, then yeah, and so on and so forth. So you get you, you get you get all the you get an incredible amount of salt, I and mean, it's almost all entirely wrong. Um, and what Blizzard do they they just tweak it here and there to get the balance right. They do a pretty good job of it. But eventually the game will kind of converge to something that's reasonably well-balanced. For instance, Brood War is still um, played competitively. It's still very popular in South Korea. And I think the last time Brood War had a balanced patch was something like 2002. Uh, all it's had since then uh, new maps, in, uh, which have generally been coming from third parties. And Brood War remains uh, remains a popular competitive game in some parts of the world. And of course, the uh, Starcraft Starcraft Two as well has been out for a long time now. The uh, most recent in- instalment, which is Heart, uh, Heart, not Heart, what I'm saying it, well, um, Legacy of the Void, that's been out for something like. F- Four or five years now i think i think starcraft 2's coming on about 10 years since its first release they're still tweaking the balance on legacy of the void but you can see that's this this does in fact they've, they've gone on for a lot longer than they ever did with um they ever did with brood war uh, but you can see it's kind of converging on to Everything's being pretty balanced. Eventually, we'll or the only thing we'll see is like new maps in the map pool, and there won't be so much. There won't be so many um, changes here and there. But even now, the the changes they're making, you know, there's there's a balance patch for that coming soon, and the, the, it's just minor tweaks, very minor tweaks, like changing costs by fifteen minerals and that kind of thing. So there's certainly big arts bouncing, and the community in these RTSs, if they think elite dangerous community are salty they ain't seen nothing yet anyway <laughs> there you go
4: yeah and this was the point i was coming to is that it needs a level of game and community interaction in, in a in a in a balance and in, and uh, if you like anti-salt way that i haven't seen from Frontier as yet. So, for example, dealing with cheaters, dealing with exploiters, dealing with this toxic, griefing element, all of that is is staple for someone who wants to run a competitive RTS or a competitive anything. Um, and Frontier haven't yet demonstrated the um, not us say the skill but they haven't demonstrated that's what they do for example in elite the game is hugely out of balance with mining versus everything else and yet that's been the same for two years uh if and if they allow that imbalance to continue in an rts then no one's going to compete playing it anymore it's just going to die as a, as a competitive game so i don't know it'd be interesting to see how they do or, or how they how they manage it if that's the way they go they may decide it's too much trouble to do the competitive RTS stuff and just um, leave it as like a single player or limited multiplayer. Well, okay.
5: Uh, Mac? On the other hand, we, we like to pile onto Frontier about various things, but it, it did take Blizzard quite a long time to get it right. There was, I know when StarCraft 2 came out, there were virtually no community features for ages, and which was really surprising, considering how experienced Blizzard are at, uh, at developing multiplayer games. And really, to get the community features that people wanted in it, um, took a good five years. So it's not just Frontier.
4: I think my thoughts around that is we know what's required now because you just say Blizzard have been there and done that and got the war wounds. So you would hope that, they would learn the lessons of Blizzard and they wouldn't start from scratch. So you think, okay, well, Blizzard didn't do this or Blizzard did that and it worked, so therefore we'll copy that way of doing it because it's been refined over X years. I don't I mean.
0: Well, so a lot of community interaction to come because if anybody knows the Warhammer community, they're quite passionate as well. So, uh, the final bit of Frontier news, which ironically, normally we wouldn't This would be the the main headline, but Beta 2 has been announced. It's going to run from the 11th of May to the 26th of May. Um, If you have a PS4 or Xbox account, you have to apply for use a special code in order to get the build for it. There has been an email gone out to most people who have got the build, so you need to uh, download the code and download the new build. Is everybody looking forward to Beta 2?
1: I'm looking forward to seeing what lessons have been learned from Beta 1 and how they will be reflected in Beta 2. That's going to be interesting. Okay,
0: Alec?
3: I just want to say it's very inconvenient that Beta 2 is that week. It's smack bang in the middle of our latest race. and um, Thanks, Frontier. But um, (laughs) I am looking forward to Beta 2 because Kaizen is going to pimp me a fleet carrier, which is awesome because I didn't
5: have enough money to try it in the first one. Yay. (laughs)
0: Lucky you. Mac?
5: Yes, uh, beta timing, yeah. I well hopefully I'll try and download. I didn't download the last one, because the trouble is when I'm my my machine's dual. I've got one computer. It's uh, for my main rig, and it's dual boot. So I, during the day I'm working in Linux, and then it, then I have to reboot it into Windows to play games and. That means I can't just let it sit and download while I'm working, so um, I never actually got to download the last one. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to download, it, even though I don't. I don't have the credits at the moment. Believe it. This is this is very hard to say coming as an EIC person, not having the credits to not having five billion credits to buy a fleet carrier. But unfortunately, I don't. So I'll, I'll have to try and play with other people's. Um, but yes, uh, t- talking of badly timed things um, it, uh, with with. The uh the racing. Uh the 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 worst time we had, I was ending an expedition, the the um the the Thanksgiving thirty-three oh four on the day the uh whatever the beyond drops with the new uh the new the new uh exploration mechanics and we arrive and the server problems are horrific and our arrival was complete and utter shambles because um anyway, that was that was that was probably the worst timing for a. An update, but at least betas are optional. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make a point of leaving my machine over, uh, on overnight and downloading it because I really need to give it a go.
0: Right. I mean, I must admit, I'm the same boat as um, a lot of the people. Uh, it, uh, I'm not going to be able to afford one. I am going to be running around and using other people's.
5: What's the probability of being marooned if you randomly land on Shan's fleet carrier?
0: Oh, I don't know, 100%? Yeah,
5: if you, as long as you take off, as soon as you... You know, Shan's got five minutes
1: or whatever it is to get you. Or is it 15 minutes to get you? So, you know, if you if you log off and you're in on his server, then on his fleet carrier,
4: you know, on your own head be it. What you're forgetting, um, then, is it costs me money to jump the carrier.
1: I'm not forgetting that at all, Shan. I am aware, approximately... That you can just throw billions at lols. And you would find it lols. Uh, You've got the wrong (laughs) shan. This is not the shan you're looking for. Nothing to see here. move along. along. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, let's just say, I ain't going to trust anyone's fleet carrier. Apart possibly the elite, dangerous, deep space network thing, but... Yeah, even then... (laughs) Probably not like, You know, dock up, refuel, repair, and then just park myself at the local star. Thank you very much. Because I know that ain't going to jump anywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll probably touch on this later. Well, I think we can actually touch on it now. Let's see. Andrew Rob. He's published the results of his unofficial survey that they did on the fleet carriers. And one of the things that really surprised me on that was the, the percentage of people who said, yeah, I can afford it.
1: That surprised me as well because that's a lot higher percentage responding to his survey that said they could afford it than responded and said to Obsidian Ants because I think that was about was that about seven or eight percent of people said who watched who responded to Ants' Survey said they could do it. Was, it was, yeah, it was about eight percent. I think it was. Yeah. Whereas this is almost like
0: it's it's almost forty percent. Just looking at the results now. Went to the question, do you currently have enough spare credits to buy a carrier? 38.7% said yes out of 3,300
4: people. be sort of pragmatic about it. It's, what, a couple of weeks' worth of mining and boring to get that amount? Because I saw the survey, and it's quite interesting. And if you look at the uses, people say, this is what I'm going to use my carrier for. What mm-hmm. jumped at me was the big bar graph. Big bar, that said the majority of people are going to use it for mining which means they'll be dumping their ice diamonds and stuff like that in the carrier, jumping the carrier to wherever you can sell them cheapest, uh, well, sorry, most, and then just offloading it and then coming back. So that not only does that show me the use people would be putting for mining, it also then explains where people got money from to afford them in the first place.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find that particular question, actually, Jan.
3: Was there? A, what are you going to use it for? I thought the question was, how are you going to earn the credits to buy it, which was heavily dominated by mining?
0: Yeah, that, that's what I've got here. Uh, there are three questions. How would you prefer to earn credits how to buy a fleet carrier? Then you've got, how do you actually plan to earn credits for a fleet carrier where it's 83% mining? And side note, preferred versus actual used credit making methods. Effectively, what I get from that is the fact that the only way that you're going to afford a fleet carrier is if you go mining, not what people are going to use it for.
4: Right, okay. Which goes back to the point I was making earlier when we talked about the RTS about how imbalanced and how long the game has been imbalanced towards one particular activity. Because if that's how people are going to get it, then all the other professions, ways of earning money, are completely out-kilter.
0: Uh, I must point out that Kaizen actually makes a very good point in the chat room, because uh, it is a self-selected group, though. those, It's more likely that if you're not going to buy a fleet carrier, you're less likely to respond to the survey. So those people who aren't interested in fleet carriers, they won't
4: bother. I think you should ask a different question. Do you plan to use Shand Carrier, yes or no? Um, you know what, I will use it once, and then never again, probably.
1: <laughs> I've already used it once, and I had a lovely visit to a white dwarf. No, sorry, it wasn't white, it was uh, to a neutron star. And it was beautiful. So thank you very much, Chan.
0: <laughs> Alec Turner says to, about Kaizen, he's turning into the Oprah Winfrey of carriers. Carrier for you, carrier for there. <laughs> okay,
3: Alec? Yeah, I just wanted to point, it was really at the beginning, really, but you were saying about being surprised about how many of the people had much money and how many could afford it, but it's pretty much Kaizen's point. But right at the top, it does point out that 54% of the people who took the survey consider that they've reached end game elite. So it, the survey's coming from a fairly targeted um, group here, really. Yeah,
4: I found that a bit depressing actually that people think the the end game is to get so yeah, much credit, exactly. say, buy a carrier.
0: Well, you see, this, that's how uh... I. End game is what you make it. I consider power play to be the end game, but a lot of people would disagree with that. In fact, I've actually come to some serious conclusions about power play lately, but um, that's for another time.
5: Mac, um, I was just going to say uh, on the self selection thing. Yeah, the, the survey is probably most definitely self selection. The other thing is, most people who fill in these surveys usually only fill it in if they've got something to complain about. You know, if you're entirely satisfied <laughs> with something, you ah nah, that nah, can't be asked. But if you if you got a gripe, it's like yeah, I'm going to get this down and all this. So I suspect not only is it self selected, it's self selected for people who are going to buy a carrier and have some gripe in there somewhere as well. Uh, so they want to they want to make someone hear their gripe so that you know there's a bit of feedback there, you know. So I think I think it's probably that there's a bit of self selection on two levels for any of these. Okay, Ben, and then back to Shan.
1: Yeah, I can. I've always considered endgame. Once I've got enough money to do what I want to do, then I'm basically quite happy. You know, I've got a couple of rebuys, I'm not worrying about anything. I can afford the ship I want without grinding for it. Then I'm. That's endgame, as far as I'm concerned. In Elite Dangerous.
0: So, do you just just as a personal question, do you consider yourself re- reach that endgame then?
1: I would consider myself... My endgame is a lot lower of an endgame
4: than your endgame, I think. (laughs) Are you saying Colin's got a bigger endgame than you've got?
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
4: No,
1: I'd say a deeper endgame. I can do what I want, and I'm happy with it, and if I want to go and do Xeno hunting, I can do Xeno hunting. If I want to do BGS, I can do BGS. If I wanted to get into... PowerPlayer player could do that if I wanted to do CQC. I could do that on day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've got. Yeah, you know, I basically consider it once I've got one big the, the access to a variety of ships, plus access to a all of the access to all the engineering stuff, plus access to. Maybe about six hundred million in the bank in spare change. That's what I would. Cause that's what I kind of consider endgame. You know, you've got enough money that you're you're self sufficient and you've you've gotten everything that you want to get, or you can at least get it.
0: Yeah. Well, see, up till now, I think most people who have started this game, not really knowing it, have said, "Right, once I've got the anaconda, I've won the game." Now that the fleet carriers are in, people are now thinking, now that I've got a fleet carrier, I've won the game. And I think that's the wrong attitude. Yeah. Anyway, so fleet carriers, a week today, the new uh, beta starts. So uh, see you all there. (laughs) So we'll quickly move on to some in-game events which are happening this week. Operation Ida, they are now working on rendoc in 64 Arteries. They're doing quite well with that one. The Anti-Xeno Initiative, well, there's nothing new to report. No new activity on the Thargoid front, just the usual Pleiades and the Witch Head Nebula. Um, Commander Mgram has managed to show off how to kill off uh, a Thargoid using a keelback of all ships. Although there are reports of a civil war or conflict between two of the anti-Thargoid organisations. Tensions between the Hive and the Hanks alliance of anti-Xeno are apparently quite high at the moment. So you have been warned there might be a little bit of to and froing in the Pleiades. There has been no uh, newsletter this week. So before we go on to our main discussion, I'd like to take a bit of an advert break, and then we'll come back with what we think is another rumoured update, which will be base-building. Natural remedies have always been some of the galaxy's finest, so when we
6: discovered a wholly natural way of slimming down and reducing your appetite, we had to share it with everyone. Harnessing the amazing powers of our native parasitic life, we've solved an age old problem. Vegas slimweed has been used by settlers of the region for decades with undeniable results and significant health benefits. If you think that Vegas slimweed could be the solution you're looking for, Speak to your doctor today. Travelling with vagus and weed ingested may constitute smuggling. Please check before your journey and declare yourself customs for an internal search. Failure to digest does not constitute grounds for reimbursement. Side effects may include, but are not limited to, increased blood pressure and heart rate, insomnia, nervousness, blurred vision, restlessness or headache. Some forms of parasite may cause stomach side effects like constipation, dry mouth, nausea or vomiting. A small sample of patients exhibit full body paralysis, catatonic state and internal hemorrhaging. Parasite must be purged before pupation, else death will occur.
0: Oh, and welcome back. Right, as I said before the ad break, uh, we're going to discuss the other one of the other things which was rumored to be in the twenty, or oh, I suppose the twenty twenty one update now, and that is base building. Now, obviously, uh, this base will be well, we're assuming planet sites. So, Chan, you wanted to to start off?
4: Yes, I've been I've been thinking about bases for. A few weeks now, certainly since the fleet carrier reveal. Um, some of my thoughts around it was that you know how people were lamenting the fact carriers were individual and were no longer squadron or group based. I have a suspicion bases will be that squadron content. Because if you, if you can't think about it, and this is my my train of thought, is that one of the main activities of, of player groups and squadrons is to establish a foothold in a system and then become the controlling power of that system. Uh, the issue of using carriers is they're mobile, so you could establish a, uh, a base and then keep jumping around and expanding from there. A bit like carrier command, I guess. But with a base, you Establish a base on a planet, you then expand into that system from that base, and so on, and so on, and so on. So it lends itself more, I believe, to squadron content than carriers do. The other, the other thing I think that we've seen is uh, the upkeep and decommissioning mechanic. If that is for technical reasons, and you know, I've got no reason to disbelieve what uh, Dav said in our interview, if that is for technical reasons, then it's therefore logically follows that bases will have the same mechanic. So again, that lends itself to squadron, player group, play, because I suspect the upkeep for a base will be substantially more than that of a carrier.
0: Yeah, the, this is the interesting thing about base building, as far as I'm concerned, is that one of the problems that uh, they've always cited against you know, dropping off your MB4 mining machine was that that would make it persistent in the galaxy. And they said it was difficult for it to do that. Now, do you think base building is going
3: to be more expensive than fleet carriers? Alec? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Surface bases. One thing I was mulling over was there. there's clearly an issue with fleet carriers, um, the kind of junk issue that they, they don't want derelict fleet carriers all over the place and hence upkeep and, and all this stuff about decommissioning that's got everyone so upset um clearly i mean surely the only purpose of that is to stop people from buying a fleet carrier getting bored of it and just leaving it lying around so yeah, i have to wonder about bases you know is there going to be upkeep the bases are uh, if bases are permanent and other people can visit our bases which i kind of assume you would then do they not have the same problem of kind of littering the galaxy. Or is it not so much of a problem because each base, if bases are planet sized, they're kind of locked into planet side instances and aren't clogging up the system maps in the same way that thousands of abandoned fleet carriers would be. I guess I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts on that, whether they feel like they're going to be things that require upkeep and uh, will get decommissioned if you if you don't do that.
5: Yeah, Mac what I'm hoping for bases really is um, at the moment, um, we, we've, we've had a few kind of expansions of humanity. We've had Colonia, of course, uh, and the stuff around the Pleiades and all that kind of stuff. What I'm hoping um, they're going to do is kind of go with the idea of, like, what we've got with carriers now. We've got uh, essentially a mobile, uh, we've got a mobile space station, which can now everybody thinks the market's totally useless on a carrier but it isn't entirely we do now have i think on uh loose screws made this point that now there is at least one commodity that is directly useful for commanders and that's the tritium so depending on how they do with npc supply with tritium there could there could already be a bit of a player economy for that and there's also the other things like the engineer unlocks the you've got the modular terminals there and bromelite and stuff like that which of course the ic trading post is going to stock masses of and but now you can just directly you'd be able to directly buy off our carriers but if you think what i'm hoping for bases is i'll take this idea further uh, i don't know if you ever played Factorio, where you basically have you're building buildings to, you know, bits of your factory and each bit feeds the next bit and so on and so on, Yeah, they, they make a commodity, which the next one uses to make something, which the next three use. Yeah. I I'm hoping we'll have that kind of thing. So the commodities we now can buy at stations are, are basically just labels with prices, but if they're actually inputs to expanding, you know, say, say you're, you're a player group, you're, you know, um, and you want to you you want to start a new colonization effort. I know a thousand light years outside the bubble, you're going to actually need this stuff to start building your colony and get it bootstrapped. And then bits of your colony will mine and extract to provide bits for your newer colony yeah, bits, and, and so on and so forth. So. You actually get a, a kind of real, you get some real supply chains there. You get a real need for carriers because now you've got something that can haul twenty odd thousand tons of stuff at a time to your uh, wherever you're building this base and and of course you know if if there's a lot of building go on, going on then carrier owners are going to want to part the carriers there selling this stuff because it'll be a huge convenience to have zohang so to traipse all the way back to the bubble to get this you know to get the like say some of the advanced stuff if somebody's brought a carrier with this stuff out there already and then they can sell it to you at a profit to build your base and what have you so I'm hoping all these things will start to, they're, they're the, the whole change in focus with carriers way back when and what they become now is because they're supposed to eventually feed into what's coming in the the new era stuff that's what I'm, that's what I'm desperately hoping anyway
0: yeah I mean one of the, the things that I've been oh uh, well obviously I've been playing some no man's Sky. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was building my own little personal hidey hole stroke base, um, which was surprisingly more addictive than the actual rest of the game put together. I find. um but I mean, do you think this is a general question to the group? So go around that and try and get your answers on this. Um, do you think the bases will have means of producing goods, like you know, industrial bases or? agricultural bases? Uh, Are we going to need to create base defences to defend against either NPC attack, Thargoid attack, or even other player attack? And of course the big one is where are you going to be able to build them? Are you going to be able to build them outside the bubble?
1: I would love it if we had something a bit like uh, I would say satisfactory actually rather than Factorio. uh, Mostly because that's got you running around in first-person mode, building all these factories. Um, so that would tie in quite nicely with certain other aspects of their game. Um, so I, I would love that, and I would love it if we could almost tie it into some kind of tar defense game. Um, I, would, I think it would be brilliant if we could put your base down, analyze where things were, and say, right, That area of the planet has got a fairly decent copper area, and you set up an automated mining rig, and you're ferrying your stuff in from your mining raid over from your copper over to your, um, over to sort of some kind of refinery, and then you could, you know, you could ship off your raw refined goods, but then you could also obviously dial that up to 11, convert all your refined goods into anything, you know, into whatever you you can be built, so into all the high-tech stuff and make even more money and I think that I actually think that would be really, really interesting and if they opened it up to under, to being attacked by NPCs and other humans incredibly interesting but I could also imagine the salt and I think because of the salt Frontier won't allow
4: that are you thinking about it's becoming like a space engineer's game, like a survival game, so to speak?
1: Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be a survival game. No, it's just another way of playing Elite. You know, I I land on the planet with my my fleet carrier, planning, planning. That's not even a word. F- my fleet carrier, planetary landing hub base thing and then I jump out of my my base and I go off and mine the raw resources to, to start automating everything, and then I can automate this and I can automate that and I can build this and do all that stuff if I want to. So if instead of flying a spaceship, I would rather build a base and have that all running around, why not? It's a very different game to Elite, but I think it could be a fun little game. Or rather, a fun, quite
4: big game, actually.
0: Shan, do you want to go next?
4: Yes, I was just expanding in my thoughts on the the Space Engineer Stroke survival game. So, Ben, you said you you build stuff, you gather materials. So, are you thinking that part of base building will be you go out in your SRV and then you collect? materials from the surface.
1: If I want to manually to your and
4: then you have some sort of crafting mechanic, you know, where you build aluminium stuff or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what I mean by survival game. It's almost like a Minecraft crafting game.
1: I think that would be the base base level, level of it. You know, we're already in a we're not in a survival situation. We are in our ships Quite happily hanging around there, I do not consider having the ability to bugger off off out of the planet and go and have a spar in Shinata Desra, a survival game. Um, on the other hand, if they go off and say you've crash landed on on Lave Two, good luck to your mates. Then so be it. But that that's a, that's an even more different different game. Um, but yeah, I think you could go and do it manually. But I think the the gameplay would be automating it up and potentially even building a spaceport so that other NPCs and or humans could land their ships, buy the stuff off of you, and then ship it off. So you're, you're making the aluminium, and then they go off and fly it off to wherever aluminium's got an even
4: higher spell point. Is that similar to what happened to No Man's Sky? I mean, I haven't played it for years, so... No. So or what to your base in No Man's Sky? Does that have a trading mechanic?
1: Colin, you've played it more than I have. I, um, my base in No Man's Sky could basically... It was a place to sleep and a place to build stuff, and I was always, right, in order to do anything, I need to go off and get more stuff so I can actually breathe for five more minutes. Bollocks.
0: <laughs> no, um, there was... Uh, fun- you could create your own farm, you could uh, manufacture create uh, manufactured goods and things like that, but I never got that far into it. Um, There is a... One of the things that I always compare it to, um, there was a a YouTube streamer, I think he's still going, uh, Commander Chaos Wolf. Now, one of the games that he reviewed was Planet Base, and uh, it was very scientific uh, on how it could be possible to create, say, a Mars base or or bases on various different planet types. And I kept on thinking that that would be great if you had that kind of base management, but also the fact you could bring in your own supplies on your own ship instead of having rely on passing ships to, to help you out. Mac
5: Yeah, I think fundamentally though, whatever whatever happens with any of this, it is going to fundamentally revolve around flying a space whether that be space trucking combat mining or whatever because at its core and frontier always said that, that they've always said we don't want people just sitting back doing nothing making a passive income we always want that you, you always have to we what we want it to be is a is a, is a game where you're primarily flying a spaceship so i think and any anything like anything like base building or fleet carriers is always going to have a is always going to have a very dominant element of you need your flight you need to be flying a spaceship to do it whatever it is you want to do, and uh, to sort of slightly veer off, um, ice cold potatoes is mentioning about upkeep here what is what's putting him off, and I think that is probably actually a little bit deliberate on the part of Frontier. They the whole point of upkeep rather than some other mechanism is so only those people who are really, really cause, it, cause considering it's it's like a persistent entity in game, they only want the people who are really, really committed to actually buy one. They don't want just people to get you know who five billion and go, Yeah, I'll just buy one and park it somewhere. They they want you to actually have some commitment and st- to think twice before you buy one; hence the. So how uh, is
4: that different to the base?
5: Well, the I suspect the bases are gonna have a similar. They're gonna have a similar, similar similar commitment element that you won't just build one and forget it. You that you're gonna have to have some kind of commitment to maintaining it. Whether how big that is, that that's obviously got something that you got to you got to you got to kind of uh tweak in the you know you, you got to tweak the values like they've they've done with well tweet drop by ninety percent <laughs> like what you've done with fleet carriers, but um it, it's it, it, I, they're going to have I'm pretty sure they're going to have some if if base building is indeed in the new era, there's going to be some kind of mechanism to make sure you have to have a certain level of commitment to put these persistent uh visible across all modes entities into the game, especially if they end up being part of an economy. You know, like we we're talking about the kind of factorio idea where each bit of a base might build something and you might have other players depending on the outputs of your thing in the new colonies that people are setting up. So they they'll probably want to make it so that you know, people just don't go. Oh, I'll buy it, man, and then disappear, and then leave a load of people sort of hanging on, thinking, "Oh, our colon is now short of this, that, and the other because this player's just buggered off on us." So, I, I think this is. I think I think the idea of upkeep. What it, it may be in a different form. We, of course, we're only speculating at this stage, but um, it might be in a different form in the new era. But I suspect there's going to be a similar, you've got to be committed to this uh, concept that's going to come along. Anyway, that's my piece. Okay. Um, Alec? Yeah, I just wanted to chip in on something Max said about um,
3: bases and sort of being tied to the classic elite space-based gameplay. And I just thought, well, I wonder if they are. Um, I noticed there's a Esoteric in the stream chat made an interesting comment about um, something along the lines of, you know, uh, something to do and see with space legs uh now the rumor does you know the rumor does say space legs space building um doesn't necessarily imply those two things are tied together but but i wonder if they are i wonder if it, it's not so much tied to things we do in a ship but if it is something to do when you're walking around an elite fleet i wonder if you'll land on a planet and start building your base and have to get out of your ship to do that and to interact with it and to I don't know exactly not exactly water your crop.
1: get oh, well, okay, that with a hammer.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, have you guys seen good? any videos yeah. of satisfactory? Because that's exactly what you're doing in that.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, so it's and, at least to start with. I mean presumably that's similar in No Man's Sky. Can you it, when you develop your I haven't played this bit of No Man's Sky, when you develop your base in No Man's Sky, are you kind of on foot I don't know, wielding right. a hammer to make it?
0: you are effective in no man's sky you you're effectively generating things as you go along it, it you are on foot and you're actually building it as if you're building it <laughs> by hand
3: one thing that concerns me about that do people, do people feel like there's a, there's a bit of a sort of a realism immersion issue with that like elite has this very strong sense of realism and you know if you're you, you it just would not fit in Elite to have this notion of, you know, the games where you sort of have a, like a, a gift wrap box, and then when the time limit expires, it pops open and a house pops out. You know, Elite. They can't have you just wielding a hammer and then suddenly a building appears. That would be. Why terrible.
1: couldn't it be a bit like Thunderbird Two, and a ship comes down and drops off the module?
3: Like it, yeah. Let's do that.
0: Well, and I do, I do know that you do get a certain sense of achievement, actually building your own base in No Man's Sky, that it's quite, it's quite surprising. But also, in No Man's Sky, you can actually do some quite silly bases. Now, someone said, no, no, I think Tuplex in the chat room says, you won't get that in Elite Dangerous because Elite Dangerous doesn't have a sense of humour. The thing is about Elite Dangerous is it's science-based. You build a base which won't scientifically survive, it ain't going to survive. <laughs>
3: And it goes back to what Frontier do best, which is management games again. So, you know, you, you can see all the, the stuff from uh, Jurassic World about getting power supplies in there, and got, I could well imagine them doing that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, this is, you don't have, in No Man's Sky, you don't have to worry about your shelter having the right amount of power or lighting. Well, you do have to worry about lighting, but you don't have to worry about it being breathable or anything like that. As soon as you walk into your base, your spacesuit is fine. But the problem is, in If you're doing that in Elite Dangerous, you know that they'll want the right kind of oxygen, you want to have the right kind of power levels, you need to have the right kind of radiation protection, that kind of thing. Ben?
1: I'm just thinking, I mean, the whole way we'd actually start this off, I mean, you guys remember Lost in Space, or the new series Lost in Space as well, where the Jupiter basically lands, and then they hit the transform button, and it sort of it grows a bit, and it it turns itself into a base of operations rather than a spaceship. And I don't see why that couldn't be your at least your starting point. And then you've got three D printers and so on that build out from there.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, do you see it as it just being a personal base, or do you do you want it to be? Uh, to expand it to such a level that, you know, you've got basically the outposts in the game presently or even one of the proper spaces.
1: Personally, I would love it if this could actually turn into a full player-driven economy where you can see that the stuff that we are producing on the planets and in the mining, in the asteroid fields and so on, you can see that the stuff we're making and the raw materials we're pulling out Mm-hmm. Goes to the mining stations, gets converted into something else, goes to somewhere else, and so on. I, if we could actually have, all the way from chipping away with your little hammer at an asteroid, to building a, you know, building a widget or whatever, I think that would be interesting, awesome, and I mean, it is a very different game from Elite. But I think it could be a hell of a good game.
3: It would be great in some ways because, you know, a, a big chunk of elite, this sort of space trading game, mm-hmm. you know, Euro truck in space. But, but we're, just, we're just delivering numbers, tech. Yeah. You know, if, if there was suddenly a real sense of, of moving actual stuff that had a purpose, I think that would, would really, you know, make the, the flying around and delivering this stuff feel like it had a point and would feel so much more interesting okay Sean. Sure. Uh,
4: yes i was just thinking about ben's question you know, would i it to be individual or, or not i don't think i would because the game is desperate for more involved squadron content so and i think the disappointment people have felt over carriers being individual will be mitigated i think if bases are more involved than squadron so i i'm happy for carriers to be individual because you can kind of do your own thing if that's what you want but bases i think they uh, they should be squadron based and i and i kind of hope they are
0: that's funny that because i i've always felt it would be the other way around i've i've always felt that that carriers was were really going to be squadron based and bases were going to be personal but that's just my opinion Mac
5: yeah one thing that really intrigued me was i was listening to last week's loose screws podcast i think it was last week so i had a new community manager bruce on and he said numerous times uh talked about uh wanting more player with player content so which kind of hints to me more squadron-based stuff and that kind of thing, you know, that that kind of thing where it, the the more MMO side of uh, of the game, as it were. So, um, since he was coming from an actual, even though he, he, sure he's new, at, he he he's he's new with the team, so perhaps hasn't. Uh, he obviously hasn't been there for the, the, the full history of the game, but the, 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 the way he was talking on makes me very hopeful that there will be... Because in the in the past, it's always seemed that Frontier's has kind of dis- done things to discourage um, players playing together. Like, when Wings first came out, all the wing rewards were split, so you ended up making a lot less progress if you're in a wing. It seems to punish you for trying to, you know, do, doing anything together seems to be punishing, but they they kind of gradually reversed those things and made, um, and to, to make uh flying in a wing sort of more rewarding and make people actually want to do it. Similarly, with the you know, that that like for, for wing combat, got uh, it. it, it it's now much more rewarding to do a conflict zone in a wing than not in a wing. So it, it looks like there is a gen, I, th- I think, especially with what Bruce is saying, I think there's a general movement towards more group-based content. Of course, the solo players will, all, you always get people who who get a bit salty about this saying, oh, I just want to play the game solo. You know, all this stuff is always for for lots of, you know, they're always thinking of the multiplayer and the PVP crowd and all this, this that and the other kaizen's just saying it was the elite week interview with bruce it wasn't the uh loose screws podcast but yeah um so i i'm but that makes me quite hopeful because i i think doing stuff together the player with player stuff in elite makes it 10 times more fun than just of grinding something away on your own even something grindy becomes a lot more fun i mean wing mining is about 10 times more fun than just doing it solo so um yeah, I'm. I'm hopeful that, that that this this kind of this kind of um, hinting that uh, about player with player stuff and all that that is is going to come is going to come to pass, and we're going to see uh, more of a more of a focus on stuff that can be done in a squadron or a group or whatever. Uh, because I think that, I, yeah, you got a you got a case for the, the people who just want to play alone as well, but. There's just so much scope in player-with-player-style play that will make the game just that much better, I think. And I hopefully we're going that direction. Anyway, it looks like Alec wants to get a word in.
0: <laughs> yes, Alec, would you like to, to jump in there?
5: Kaizen's going to kill me for saying this.
3: I, I do want... That was a great interview. That interview with Bruce um, on Elite Week, everyone should listen to that. It, it was... I, I, I found myself thinking of it as, as triple-spaced, by which I mean there was so much between the lines of that interview. I, I just found it fascinating. But I do wonder if – sorry, Kai. I do wonder if Kai slightly led Bruce on that player-with-player player stuff. You know, based it was based on Bruce's background and that he'd worked on um, MMO before. And I, I think maybe he was led slightly to, to talk about that side of things.
1: Works on Runescape.
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. The other point, anyway, is that um, I just wanted to touch on that thing. We haven't heard much about it since about the thing about Frontier looking for an SRV AI programmer. And I always loved this idea that bases would be busy little places like space stations are, with SRVs coming and going. But I, I was always slightly concerned about where these SRVs are going. <laughs> Planets are these vast. Having driven around three of them, they're these vast spaces of, of nothing. Where, where are the SRVs going if they're driving? So have you kind water? of
4: got this picture of like space Teslas going around on autopilot. I
3: don't know. I love so, the idea of a base, and, and somebody, you know, an NPC drives up in his MPAR, MP, he drives up in his SRV, and collects something from your base, and then drives off into the distance. But where the hell would he be going? There's like nothing out there.
5: I don't know. Probably, probably going to mine just like the rest of us. You know, need some yeah. engineering yeah. materials. Maybe it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I just love the
3: idea of a base with these less of these coming and going occasionally.
5: Parasiafu in the chat says, "Oh, please stop with the multiplayer content already. We need better PVE content for everything else." Well, the thing is, multiplayer content can be PVE as well. For instance, take all the exploration expeditions. That's kind of well. That's kind of PWP. But but the um, we do a lot of PVE, like all the BGS stuff. We we wing up and do PVE uh, in like a high intensity a conflict. Well, what is it? A, not a high intensity, but the, yeah, the conflict zones. The we we do all those kind of things. So the the, the two aren't mutually exclusive. PVE and PWP kind of often go hand in hand. So anyway.
1: I also think that I mean let's say for example we go off, we, we end up with something like Factorio in Elite and I get an alert saying that my base is being attacked by the mighty Shan. I wouldn't do uh, that. Never. I would then obviously run off to my base to defend it. And you know, there might be there might well be some kind of automated defenses maybe you might it might allow me to oh telepresence into my base so that i can defend my base from my spaceship you know and i could start flying around like i could start flying around skimmers or something like that attacking shannon and his srv who is trying to go off and blow up my pipeline or something and that i think that could be a lot of fun
0: yeah, but there is a problem with that, and that problem is... Mining salt? What happens if your base gets attacked at um, 3 o'clock in the morning, or even worse, it gets attacked while you're in that meeting at 10am, <laughs> and you get an alert saying, your base is under attack. You can't defend it all 24-7. You can if
5: you've yeah. got big, big enough guns on it. <laughs> I mean, that's where...
1: I mean, you, you have some level of tired defence, but then you could also... Maybe buy base shield for a thousand arcs for five minutes or something like that. Just to look at certain mobile games which have that kind of no. horrendous mechanics.
0: Oh don't even don't even put you in that idea out there, Ben. Just don't
4: in, in other games with a siege <laughs> mechanic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually the owner of the base. They have to set a window by which someone could attack their base. So let's say you have to have a period, a two hour period each week when your base is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you when you set that. So you can say, well, I'm definitely now I can be around. Uh, Two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon so then that's when I'll have my base being vulnerable because I'll oh. know I'll be around to defend it so that's the sort of mechanic people do to get around the oh let's all gang up at three in the morning and get
3: it. that. What's the law mechanic that you have to have your shields down for a few hours to repair them or something?
0: <laughs> yeah I mean if we want to avoid, is it Clash of Clans where you build up your castle and then all of a sudden that's when you'll be in the meeting and you've got to think, oh, God, I've got to defend my castle. But you can't because you're in the meeting. You know, these these mobile phone games, which you see a lot of adverts for.
4: Uh, and then that's when, of course, when the, when the social engineering comes into play. Because if I look at the map and if I know Ben's base is available at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, I then pay, I don't know, Colin, Mac maybe Kaizen or something like that to, to get keep Ben occupied and then <laughs> I go and get his base.
0: I'm sorry that there, there is not enough money in the world you could pay me in order to keep Ben occupied. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to have a discussion about this. We'll probably be coming back to this at a later point, um, but I feel that we're going to have to move on because I have just seen the amount of stuff in Community Corner that we've got that we've got lined up. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll quickly move on to Community Corner. I mean, thanks to everybody who's who's joined in on this, and thanks to your points in the chat room. Um, now, the first one, that uh, the first item to highlight is that there is a BBC radio documentary called Hashtag This Game Changed My Life, which revisits Commander Michael Holland's story. Uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's been sensitively put together by Nathan Jones, and it's hosted by Ofia Lockhart and Julia Hardy. It's really worth a listen. It's, it's nice that um, when it's come to it, that the Elite Dangerous community has been shown in such a positive light. Um, now, obviously, I've listened to it. Anybody else? I have. It was brilliant.
1: Yeah. Many onions were consumed.
0: Any onions were consumed. Yeah, it, it, it goes into a great deal of detail of poor Michael's condition. And of course, how the how the game helped him get through that condition, and also the the fantastic work that was done to to put um, uh, Michael into a audio adventure stroke book, which is still available, and I, th- I think it's free, but they ask if you make a small donation. So, um, yeah, I thought I'll, it was really nice
3: be um, put together and it, it's it's the pilot of a whole series as well so I must listen to the others now because it was it was
0: good it was well then well so yeah I I will definitely agree with Ben. <clears throat> yeah I'm having to hold it back now actually. Uh but yes many many onions were cut during listening to that podcast. So um Alec, we've got you on and' sort of
3: you've claimed things that shouldn't be claimed. I don't know why that's in the show notes. I can tell the story behind that if you like. <laughs> it's in the show notes because you weren't going
1: to be around until then. Okay. Until five, five minutes before the show.
3: Well, it was, I mean, there is a story to it. So what, it what, what it was, you've probably heard Karsin saying that um, he's, he's giving everyone fleet Harris It's not quite true. But um, in the first beta, because I didn't have enough money, we did try to do a player-to-player credit exchange to get me enough money to buy one, and it didn't quite pan out. I ran out of time. So we're going to try it again to beat... Two, uh, and so the plan was that I would get my ship full of um, low temperature diamonds for the day that the beta snapshot got taken. The only problem then was that I'm at this, you know, I'm in Buran and I've got 200 LTDs in my ship, which I now need, and I now have to sit there until whenever they take the beta snapshot. We don't know what time that's going to be. So I, I got bored. So I flew down to the planetary base, um, which I think the griefers go to Emberan to restock their ammo, and then I basically endeavoured to get my SRV right on top of the tower that's about five thousand feet tall or whatever by boosting off the back of my ship. It's a very nice viewpoint, and that's where I'm sat waiting for Beta Two to drop. So when I log into Beta Two, I should have a very nice view and should be able to surprise a few griefers by leaping onto the back of their ships from a great height.
0: <laughs> now, it is there a new Bucky Ball that you got? have got planned you mentioned it, that it's inconveniently timed with the beta 2
3: yeah there is I, i'll chat about those i mean i think you mentioned them on last week's show we've got four so the one that's coming up is signs of life which is going to run from the 9th to the 17th of may um and it's a really fun one i mean it's what i've been doing this week basically so the idea of the race is you have a fixed period of time half an hour for a for the regulation build DBX and an hour for any ship you like. And in that time, you have to start off at the, um, you know, the Zenday Partners mega ship that's like a shuttle bus service out to where the Guardian stuff is. Yeah. You start out there, and you've then got an, uh, half an hour to scan as many different signs of life as you can and then get back to the ship again. And it turns out to be really fascinating just in prepping for the race. I spent all week scanning systems with the fss to find planets that have life you know and biological sites and then flying to all the biological sites and visiting them all to see what's there because all your signs of life need to be different um, and what's really interesting in prepping for that is i've loved doing that it, rather than just doing exploration for the sake of it and to earn credits or to occasionally get a first map tag to actually do it for a purpose knowing that the end goal is i'm going to have the perfect route to run this race completely tra- transforms it. So really enjoyed using the FSS and the DSS to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be from the 9th to the 17th. And then in June, we have the Engineers Cortez Mixer, which is a bit of a play on ECM and is kind of about ferrying engineers back from a, a community meet that they've all been to. So there's a nice bit of role play on that one. Um, in July, I'm hoping to do one that's kind of going to use a fleet carrier if I can afford one I'll borrow one in time. I won't say much more about it because the main point of the race is a little bit uh, of a surprise. And then a really fun one in, uh, when is it, August, called <laughs> called Real Men Race in Lederhosen uh, by Ashnak. And it's, I don't know if this is a thing or not, but it's a, it's a Bavarian style race. It and sounds ice-
1: like it should be doing it in October, to be honest.
3: Well, apparently, actually, I might be wrong, it's September. Apparently, it's a classic pub quiz question that. Uh, When does the Octoberfest start? It's actually September. So I might have got the date wrong. It might be September. But the idea, this is a fun one, is you have to predict how quick you're going to do the prescribed circuit. So you predict that it's going to take you 45 minutes and 21 seconds. If you kind of go over, then you get an hour added onto your time effectively but obviously if you go under then you get the time you predicted so it's kind of about trying to do the circuit as close to the time you predict as possible it sounds really intriguing yeah so that's our season of races coming up first one 9th of may so uh, when's that that's this coming Saturday it starts and runs to the following Sunday and all the details are on the forum I, I would probably just google for signs of life or Find me and look at my signature or go to Buckkeyball Racing.org.uk.
0: Alright, thanks for that. Obviously, I think we've already touched on Beta One fleet carrier survey for the Anti Xeno Initiative. Um does anybody have any further points on that or no? Okay. Now this is quite an interesting one. The Wing Hussars have created a calendar for everybody in Elite. Now it's available from the forums. You can we'll put a link in the show notes. And you'll be able to go there and download, in I think it's in Polish and English, a 12-month calendar full of fantastic photos taken from various commanders' exploits in space. And it's free. This gets two thumbs up from me.
3: I looked at it this afternoon. It's, it's lovely photography. Really nice.
0: Now, um, see if uh, Mr. PsychoCount is available, because I do believe that he wanted to talk about... Uh, Amanda Siren, Sireen? Although otherwise, Baz Floyd from special Effect That's the one. Sin rain. Just a lot of rain.
2: <laughs> it's it's been raining again. Um, he has uh, been running a a, a wee event uh, that he likes to refer to, and I don't like to refer to because it's not what jumps into my head, and I've dev- horrendous difficulties with this one. But it is um. <clears throat> Baz's Big Banter Bus event that he currently is running, and um, it is Baz's Big Bubble Banter Bus Grand Tour, that's what he calls it, and um, what he's doing (laughs) is, there's a whole charitable drive going on at the moment um, around the number 26, and I cannot remember what the justification is, but he did explain it on Huntington. So for 26 days, from the 26th of April until the 21st of May, he'll be driving his banter bus at 9pm every night. I think it's in the Hutton private group as well, so if you're not a Hutton trucker, uh, you might want to get in touch if you want to be part of it. Um... But basically, at 9pm every night, you rendezvous with him. Uh, He's going to be visiting 26 known interesting places in the bubble, or near it, each evening, and inviting every commander in the galaxy to pop in and join him for a wee bit of banter, a wee bit of company, just, you know, to help chase away the um, cabin fever and such. So if you want to see a asteroid base, or a black hole, or maybe the racing station at Cortez, or to well, visit Mega Ship, or see a Baroque Forest, station in low orbit about a planet, singing, or, you know, circling a ring, Earth-like, or whatever. Uh, they are going to be stopping at these various, various locations. It's kind of like the Play Bus. Where is it going to stop today? Well, let's ask Buzz. Well, today they're stopping at Lave. Uh, Now, if you want to join him, he is currently on our Live Radio and Orbital shared TeamSpeak server, which you can get by getting a TeamSpeak client, connecting to ts.forthemug.com, and look for Baz's Big Bubble Bang... There shouldn't be a bang in that. (laughs) It got you. No, there shouldn't be a bang in that. That's um, one of our um, admins is being very naughty. Baz's Big Bubble Bus Grand Tour. And uh, if you go into that room, you'll find Baz and he'll be more than happy to have a chat with you. So even if you can't join him in-game, by all means, go and keep him company. Um, it's quite a full room. In fact, I in there as well. So I've just seen a the, the, the number of our regulars are in there having some fun with Baz until the 21st of May. So go and yes, show your support for Bazies out there trying to raise uh, money for charities and... And unusual ways and uh, it's not a a kind of typical uh, push where you have to donate he's just looking to give people a bit of company not that way Ben
0: Right, anyway um, what we'll do is we'll quickly move on to the community question Um, it's pretty obvious after our main discussion tonight, I mean what would you like to see in Elite Dangerous base building? We'd like to hear from your opinions and we'll probably discuss it in a future show I think we'll, we'll certainly put the, put that out over the social, because it's always good to, to have a deep dive. Quick call-out for shout-outs here. We've got, um, well, first off, I'll say congratulations to Chris Masterski, who posted on Reddit that after 3,500 hours in the game, he has just hit the one million light-years travelled. I, I don't know how many light-years I've travelled. But well, that does sound like a lot. Someone has said, right, you'd be halfway through to the Andromeda Galaxy if you'd done that. But. So, fair play to him. Millstone Bar has come back with a request for Ed's 38 to help them out uh, at their home out in Colonia. Um, earlier this year, a player minor faction ruthlessly stoked Dunker's Rest from their owners, S38, in their home system, (laughs) was that Dubinal, Uh, whilst they were supporting much other needed player activities in the bubble, uh, in other words, the Hutton truckers' hot mess, and therefore breached the terms of the Jacques Accord. Biscuit production has been halted. We appeal to their conscience, seemingly without success, so a small number of dunkers, together with the Little Massive and other allies, have worked to rectify the situation, and have made great progress. However, the rogues New Sinbad have today responded and when they face a challenge of writing the wrong doings. This is a call for support. Please come to, Sol- uh, to Colonia, ask your friends to rally behind our cause, spread the word, bring your ships, put Dunker's rest back in the hands of the responsible owners so that they re- can restart biscuit production. It will be good for everyone in Colonia including you, New Sinbad. Brackets in you. So, a, a plea there for Millstone's Barn. Um, We'd also like to remind you that our system's sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at half past eight GMT. Uh, you can tune in at TV for the mug.com, or if you just want the audio, go to radio for the mug.com. Um, also, for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, uh, check out the CQC Discord at discord me slash elite dangerous CQC. Um, well, we do have a little bit of some, a little any other business. Um, Psycho Cow, what are you doing this weekend? Is it this weekend nope, or next it's weekend?
2: Next weekend. This weekend, we're probably just enjoying a pub quiz on Friday night again. Um, I'm running a a European... uh, Eurovision. Eurovision? We didn't get out of that. We didn't vote uh, for Eurits. Which sounds like that would be a lot more fun. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Eurovision has been uh, cancelled due to COVID-19, which is a real heartbreak when we could have had some amazing average fun like normal and um, as a result there's an awful lot of disappointment and uh, as I say there's a few of us that like uh, Eurovision for the international spectacle of nonsense that it is and um, it leaves a bit of a hole and you know it takes me back my childhood to um, I remember my dad replacing the woodwork in the window at my in my attic bedroom and then we went down and watched uh, Eurovision and Terry Hogan was there and I've would have watched it pretty much every year since and invited people over not for a kind of proper euro party but just to have some fun together and enjoy an evening of nonsense and it goes on for a long time and um and so without it being there um my wife who who really feels um the isolation and, and social uh not that we go out anyway but she's feeling the missing these things that she would enjoy um, is taking particular hard toll on her mood. And so she was really upset by Eurovision being cancelled and she was really looking forward to it. Because we do, we spend the whole time, we get um, some snacks in and just sit back and, and suffer it to the bitter freaking end. And so she said, can't we do something <laughs> different? Can't we do something instead where we can maybe, I don't know, pick a country and, and we we find a, a video or something for that or a song for it to represent it. So we took her idea and we refined it and we created the Your Abysmal song contest which she kindly painted our logo for so it's now the Eurovi <laughs> Abysmal stay at home contest. Uh stay at home song contest. And there's two ways to take part. Antarius Fusion and uh, Commander SciMove have been coding various parts of the website uh, to do different things. Um, Antarius has created a bot that will allow us to do live voting in Twitch chat on the night so that you can come along and vote for your favourite videos and you'll have your 12 points, 10 points, 98765 and so on um, that you normally would have as a country, as a nation. And you'll be able to just vote for whatever videos there and you'll be able to change your vote so you can edit them you can delete them you can remove them you can re-vote. there's going to be so many things that you can do but we're going to play all the user submitted YouTube videos the other way to get involved is that you can sign in to our website create an account by going to bit.ly forward slash songs and what we will do then is you'll be assigned a country and your mission from that point onwards is to find a YouTube video of a song so there's a couple of conditions we don't want people just to put in shit and rubbish there's got to be a bit of a spirit of finding that unique special video that's either really really clever really funny or spectacular and an awful lot of our guys are finding music that they wouldn't ever normally listen to and they're getting appreciation for bands from these nations that they would otherwise never have seen and so there's an awful lot to be gained from that exercise itself And it can be a lot of fun. And then once you've found that spectacular video that you think may well stand out, you then submit it through the website. We lock it in and approve it just to make sure it's within the spirit of the competition. And then on the night, we will play these videos as an entry from that country. You can vote as that country, but as a judge, which means you cannot vote for your country, but you can vote for all the other songs. And at the end of the night, we will do the scoring as close to the show's (laughs) Way of doing it as we can in order to build up tension and to have a bit of a giggle as we go along. And
4: uh, so, nothing for the UK then.
2: Exactly. Well, I don't know. Currently, um, if you go to the uh, bit.ly/crap songs, you will find that the UK is currently. Oh, I am. I stand corrected. The UK now does have a representative. Sizzle Twenty One P currently has the uh, UK. Uh, I am currently representing uh hungry. and uh, after uh we have a, a loose rule when you find a video so for example, you might have an amazing song that's about that country there's a justification box for the reason why you feel your video is appropriate to your nation, and we're not going to ver you know to verify these or go into too much depth we are going to leave that to the court of public opinion and if on the night we give your justification reason out as to why you think that video stands. And the entire audience boos you and then chooses not to vote on your head, be it. That's, that's the catch. If they fight off, so for example, I've, me being hungry, last night I said to Susie, I found, I found the song, I found the song. And then I played uh, Jennifer Lawrence singing the Hanging Tree song. And she went, what's Jennifer Lawrence got to do with, with, with the hungry? And I was like, ah, keep going. You'll be with it. And she just then told me to take a running jump out of the room and not to come back. As she realised it's, of course, from the Hunger Games. It would be the Hungry Games. Yeah, the Hungry, hungry Games. So, uh, yeah, so you can be as obtuse or as silly as you like. But what we're really looking for is those kind of videos that will actually lift your spirits Uh, or be moving or be entertaining we don't just want dilge it's not about finding any old video to represent it and you can use previous year's eurovision songs if you want or even this year's eurovision videos they are mostly for all the countries that have actually got them in are up and available for you to look at too so you can get inspiration as to what eurovision means um And just get involved. So there are a number of countries still available. If we do have the full sign-up, then there would be 50 videos of three minutes plus, potentially, to try and play through on a Saturday night, at which point we will just be brutal and we'll just cut videos down if we need to, if they're crap. (laughs) So we'll just have to make some entertainment edit decisions. Or I'm thinking about creating a... Uh, uh, an ability when you're watching for anyone who's watching to create a uh, skip this one it's shit. Can uh, it can it be the also have like tie in the gong show or something like
1: that? Well, kind so of enough, yeah. If the audience gongs it if enough, enough of like, the yeah, audience out. yeah. So
5: <laughs> well, there used to be a TV program where there's a big hook and the viewers voted and the hook would come <laughs> along and log and then it would it would kind of hook around the artist's neck and pull them out. Of the, the, <laughs> yep.
2: That's that. Right. That's it. That. Yeah, we could we'll go. So we're trying to. We're just trying to create a reason to be online. People will come along. They'll bring their own wee drinks. They'll sit and do what they would do in Eurovision and sit and kind of keep one eye on the telly and have conversations. But I'm hoping it will actually be quite an uplifting experience. A bit of a. Uh, an eye-opener for you know music styles and things. So I'm kind of struggling with Hungary because they've got a very strong folk music and actually the majority of stuff uh, over there, they're going through a bit of a rap phrase. So when I looked at the top 40, I was uninspired, but I found some amazing guitarists and things. Um, so it's an awful lot of fun. Obviously, if you get the UK, then you really want to dig deep and try and get into something obscure and special. Uh, But it's open to anyone who wants to come along, so just go to the Song contest um, by going to bit.ly forward slash crapsongs or turn up twitch.tv forward slash psycho on the 16th of May from 8pm as we will go play through them and you can be part of the experience then. And chat will be freaking mental with all the vote commands firing in, so... It should be laughed to see if the bot can handle it. Entire Fusion's done an amazing job and can't thank him enough. Uh, Galactic Midden's been making promo videos left, right and centre, which you might have seen appearing on Facebook in various places. They're amazing. We're really excited. All the work that people are putting in around here. It's a huge community project again. and. It would be nothing without these guys. They've got excited, they've got involved and they've started putting efforts in which are very appreciated, which means I don't have as much to do and I can sit back and just be lazy, turn up in the night and go, "Eh, here you go, look, some songs.
0: So taking all the credit as usual then? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, We'll just give a call out to, um, for those of you who've forgotten, if you head over to the Radio Theatre Workshop website um, Chris Jarvis, um, him of Escape Velocity fame, um, he's still been working on the uh, Lost World podcast, um, or his Lost World audio drama, rather. Uh, okay, folks, last call for any other business, just quickly. No? Okay. Very quick call, because running out of time a little. But that is it for a, another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Uh, live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 British Summer Time and streamed out at laveradio.com. So thanks to Alec, thanks to Mac, thanks to Ben, to Shan, and of course to Psychocal for being today's extra special tech specialists. But until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
5: Oh, 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 oh,
7: News Digest, 5th of May 3306, We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, the year of 15 months. Warning as ecotourism hits the Zende megabus. Carry on carrying on. Oh crumbs. The year of fifteen months. The Pilots' Federation has issued a statement confirming that the long-awaited 3306 update will indeed be delivered on schedule at the end of 3306. As part of the same communication, but in unrelated news, they announced that the year 3306 will be extended by three months, and will now end on the 2nd March 31st of 3306. The year 3307 will therefore start on the 1st of April, unless it's deemed necessary to extend 3306 by a further two months, to the second 31st of May 3306. It is widely believed that the 3306 update will include a do-it-yourself construction system known as Home Base Building and the Age of Silmar Space Legs, which will give commanders permission to leave their pilot seat and walk around, and possibly even partake of a little hand to hand combat. Alternatively, commanders may prefer to sit around painting themselves and never really get around to doing anything much else. In the meantime, any commanders still flying in the galaxy are asked to do so quietly, in order not to wake up. Their sleeping colleagues. Warning as ecotourism hits the Zende Megabus. It's society gone mad. That's the verdict of locals as the Buckyball Racing Club prepares to descend on Sainouf. EN-H D11-96, the system at the other end of the Megabus route from Zende. The Buckyballers want to see a bit of nature, but being Buckyballers, they want to do it really, really fast. Brain trees, anemones, metallic crystals and gourd mollusks, they are all grist to the Buckyballers' mad race to tick off as many sights as they can. They might even do some Guardian Sentinels and Thargoid Barnacles and Scavengers, if they have time. Almost anything goes during this frenetic sightseeing trip, which runs from the 9th of May to the 17th of May, except for frameshift drive synthesis, which the Buckyballers continue to believe is the Devil's work, presumably because they lack the stamina to spend an hour or so gathering the necessary materials for Jumponium. Inhabitants of the affected systems have put in place a shoot on site policy for regulation diamondback explorers and any other ships suspected of belonging to buckyball racers. They are reported to be looking forward to the day when the Megabus takes all those troublesome tourists back to Zemday. Carry On Carrying On The second opportunity to test fly a fleet carrier starts on Monday the 11th of May and will last for two weeks. Confusingly, taking part in the beta involves time travelling back to Thursday the 30th of April. This will be the first opportunity for Xbox and PS4 commanders to try out fleet carriers, but all fleet carriers, regardless of what system their owner uses, will be usable by all commanders, subject of course to permission from the owner. In related news, the Coriolis ship design suite has been updated to include the Drake-class fleet carrier by Commander Cohen Leff. The system models accurately the core internals, the optional services such as shipyard, paint shop and universal cartographics, and the crew accommodation. The relatively high cost of running a fleet carrier is finally explained as we see the inclusion of the Jacuzzi and Spa, the Sports Hall, the Media Hub, as well as the Observation Deck, a glass roof terrace and, of course, the Golden Limpet Statue. If you have to ask how much it all costs, get back to Mining Void Opals. In less related news, the Pilots Federation has finally managed to find the missing thumbnail of the Thargoid, accompanying the 13th of January Galnet report of Thargoid incursions in the Witchhead Nebula, and have glued it into place on the launcher. There remains a massive black rectangle in the middle of the launcher that some believe may be the true location of Raxla. Oh crumbs. The brave colonists known as EDS-38 are reported to have lost their base Dunker's Rest, which is believed to be somewhere in the WNL system. It is believed that the base may have been stolen from the 38 by a group calling themselves New Simbad, which is based in Far Tauri. Any commanders willing to assist in finding the missing base and returning it to its rightful owners are invited to fly over. When the base is regained, Commander Millstone Barn promises that there will be lashings of soggy rich tea biscuits all round. In only slightly related news, Canon Interstellar announced last week that they would not be jumping the Gnosis to a new system because they liked the White Dwarf they were orbiting so much. And by the way, if anyone on board had any experience of fixing megaship hyperdrives, could they please make their way to engineering? Having thus encouraged visiting commanders to take off and fly around the system while they waited, the Gnosis then proceeded to jump on schedule after all, leaving a small knot of confused ships hanging helplessly in space looking at the place where the Gnosis wasn't. Canon Interstellar has been warned to expect a large claim for compensation. In completely and utterly unrelated news, the Pilots' Federation has bowed to pressure from the one commander who actually flies a hauler, Commander Primetime Casual, and has made available a range of speedway racing colours for that much-neglected behemoth of tiny, tiny ships. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. And as it's Revenge of the Fifth Day, may the Force be the mass times the acceleration.